0: Well, howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park Bag Coaches Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org.
1: I'm Chandler Strawn with Chandler Strawn Farms in Dorchester, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
2: hello texas we've got another week rolling
1: and i've got another episode rolling for you of texas ag today all you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up we're going to take a ride around the lone star state as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation texas agriculture in the news today researchers are working to improve sorghum silage quality for texas dairy farmers That was a topic of discussion at the recent Southwest Dairy Day I attended in Bovina out in the Western Panhandle. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
3: Grazing land conditions are a bit mixed in the Texas High Plains right now. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about current conditions and one possible answer to the forage challenge ranchers face.
4: Protecting the United States from foot and mouth disease through advanced technology. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from the president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, about this important issue to the U.S. beef industry. Just ahead on Texas Ag
5: Today. The drought's not over in Central Texas. We've received some moisture, but we need more. This is Dr. Sy McClellan, and i Moore have more from Waco. We'll
1: have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets, all coming up. Dairy farmers have always relied on high-quality silage to keep their herds making milk. And that's even more important today where we have a shortage of forage here in Texas. Texas A&M AgriLife dairy specialist Juan Pinedo says his biggest research project right now is trying to bring the quality of sorghum silage up to the level of corn silage.
6: Yeah, so that's, that's what we are trying to do because it's a water efficient crop, drought tolerant, so it would be suitable for, for this uh, climate and it will reduce the risk of drought stress that we have been having over the last two years.
1: And it's all a matter of water. Sorghum takes much less water to grow than corn. Pinedo says dairy farmers are very interested in this project.
6: Personally, I never had so much interest in a research project before. It seems it's a great need from dairy farmers, and they are really interested in collaborating and making this work.
1: I caught up with Pinedo at the recent Southwest Dairy Day in the western Texas panhandle. A West Texas cowboy is being recognized for his decades of hard work.
7: James Jimbo Humphreys Jr. of Dickens is the winner of this year's Ranching Heritage Association's Working Cowboy Award. Humphreys grew up on the Pitchfork Land and Cattle Company Ranch in Guthrie, where his father was ranch manager. He began cowboying in junior high, and since then he's made a living working cattle, training horses, building fences and corrals, and crafting bits and spurs. He now manages a large cow-calf operation on the guitar ranches. He'll be recognized at the 45th Annual National Golden Spur Awards Ceremony November 3rd in Lubbock. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. Texas has the worst pasture conditions in the
1: nation. USDA's Brad Rippey says there are a lot of states with poor pastures right now due to drought, but Texas tops the list.
6: Leading the way, Texas 69% very poor to poor. Louisiana right behind them at 68%, also above 60% on October 15th, very poor-to-poor. Missouri coming in at 63%, Minnesota 62%. And I just want to point out that some Western states, particularly the Pacific Coast states and the Southwest, starting to creep up. Washington State, 72%, very poor-to-poor on October 15th. Arizona has crept up to 50%. And then uh, in the southeast, we've seen a a drying trend recently. South Carolina is leading the east with 44 percent of the pasture is very poor to poor.
1: That's USDA's Brad Rippey. Now, when you look at pasture conditions in the Texas High Plains right now, you'll see mixed results. James Hunt takes a closer look from Amarillo.
3: It's been a year where the Texas High Plains has gone through an extended period of abundant rainfall, followed by a very long dry spell. So where are we at condition-wise on area ranches? I asked Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist, Jason Smith.
0: Probably describe current forage conditions two different ways. The first is substantially better than they were this time last year. So we were fortunate in that we received some timely rains that put some meaningful forage growth on the ground. And so that certainly, certainly benefited from that and are thankful for that.
3: But of course, the rains we have received have not been delivered equally throughout the region, and Dr. Smith says grazing land conditions vary significantly.
0: That's been my observation. We can go from an area that's still in pretty tough conditions to one that's received quite a bit of rain and has gotten quite a bit of forage as a consequence of that.
3: Regardless of how conditions fluctuate year by year, providing enough forage for their animals is often a challenge for producers in our area. With that in mind, Dr. Smith is recommending that ranchers consider feeding their animals ionophores to help extend the life of their grass.
0: We'd expect feeding an ionophore to grazing beef cows to reduce forage intake by about 8%. So to put that into context, that's equivalent of conserving one cow's worth of forage for every 12 and a half cows that we fed an ionophore to. And that's assuming that's about a 1,200-pound cow. You know, there's some assumptions that go into that. That's huge.
3: We'll take a deeper look at the use of ionophores with Dr. Jason Smith of AgriLife in our report tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: The U.S. beef industry continues efforts to protect our nation from foot and mouth disease. Tom Nicoletti has the story. Foot and mouth
4: disease is a worldwide concern as it can spread and quickly cause significant livestock economic losses. While many countries across the globe are dealing with FMD in their livestock populations, the disease is not in the United States. The U.S. eradicated FMD from this country in 1929 following the last FMD outbreak in California. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service works diligently to prevent foot and mouth disease from re-entering the country. This issue is of utmost concern to Todd Wilkinson, president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Wilkinson runs a commercial cow-calf operation and a cattle feeding and finishing operation in South Dakota.
6: And if we had a foot-and-mouth disease type outbreak, we need to be able to trace it quickly back to its origin, confine it so it doesn't expose the entire beef herd. We have the technology to do it. 20 years ago we could have had this discussion and it was more of a wish. Now it can be a reality. That simple EID button in the ear of that animal can allow you to trans that information all across the country without divulging your private information. And I look at that as an insurance policy. I can have insurance that my herd is not going to be shut down and confined when another herd is under an impact. The big deal and why we're so concerned with it, it is spreading across the globe. So roughly 60 to 70 percent of the globe is now exposed to foot and mouth disease. All we have to do is look to Great Britain back in the early 2000s and the devastation cause their beef herd we simply can't afford that in the united states
4: that is todd wilkinson he is president of the national Cattlemen's beef association i'm tom nicoletti at the texas farm bureau radio network
1: the drought is not over in central texas dr shane mcclellan says that area has received some moisture but they need a lot more
5: much of our blackland area has received some much needed moisture those rain mounts are varied across our area And it has been enough to green up some warm season grasses and germinate some cool season plants. If you compare our most recent rainfall amounts with the average rainfall, we are still well under uh, the normal amount of rainfall that we would expect for this time of year. If you look back to June 1, we're still about six inches under our normal rainfall. And we were dry uh, before that. So you you would expect our area to, to not look as good as it does. So it's somewhat deceiving. There's not a lot of deep soil moisture. We have had some isolated pockets of heavy rainfall, and those areas received three-plus inches of rain in several rainfall events. We just haven't had a large rainfall amount over a widespread area. Our area lakes, creeks, rivers, even any large body of water is well below where it should be for this time of year. If you walk across a pasture, you're still going to see multiple large cracks in the ground. We just need a good soaking rain. Uh, recently planted oats for grazing has been emerging. Some is off to a good stand. However, there's still a lot of oats that has not emerged yet. A half inch to even an inch of rain will help much of our oats just get out of the ground. Now, the oat crop and newly germinated ryegrass will need a rain soon to continue growing. I have seen a good bit of ryegrass drying out and dying from a lack of moisture. The fall armyworm is active in some areas of the Blackland region. Many of our hay producers have been making the decision to either spray for armyworms or just cut that standing forage for hay. Ideally, they would let that hayfield grow for another 10 to even 20 days before they cut, but they've got to do something to manage the armyworms. Uh, Area is not being sprayed. Uh, the armyworm is decimating those hayfields. Armyworm populations have been more common east of the Waco area. Um, that threat of population growth is still there, though, at our cooler temperatures. Just need to be on the lookout if you need to spray. Uh, pesky armyworms worms can destroy a hay field or an oat stand overnight. The best time to scout is going to be early in the morning or later in the afternoon. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco for Texas Ag Today.
7: Mule deer hunting season is just a few weeks away. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have this year's hunting forecast coming up on Texas Ag Today.
1: And acupuncture may be effective in horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park Bag Coach's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been
3: a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the right to farm amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the food for Texas amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop One and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition
0: One at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number two, farmtexas.com.
2: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Acupuncture has been promoted in horses for years. Dr. Bob Judd says a small new study indicates that it may be effective.
8: The study was printed in the American Veterinary Medical Association Journal concerning the short-term effects of acupuncture on 12 steeplechase horses exhibiting axial stiffness. Axial stiffness is basically a decrease in the ability to rotate around the spine, and a recent study used 12 horses with axial stiffness during training. Six horses were randomly assigned to an acupuncture group, and the other six horses were not treated and were negative controls. The horse's locomotion was evaluated during training before treatment and seven and 14 days after by their rider and trainer through a questionnaire. Additionally, the improvement of the horse's dorsal flexibility two days after treatment was evaluated subjectively at the trot, free jumping at the canter was evaluated by expert clinicians, and free jumping at the trot was objectively evaluated via internal measurement units. Results indicated more horses were improved on day 7 and 14 in the acupuncture group compared to the non-treated control group, according to their trainers and riders. Subjective evaluation of the dorsal flexibility also revealed a significant improvement for horses receiving the acupuncture treatment compared with control horses. The authors concluded acupuncture may be an interesting non-drug therapy to improve clinical signs of axial stiffness and performance in steeplechase racehorses. We certainly need more of these studies involving acupuncture and other non-standard treatments in horses, and one concern about this study is the low number of horses involved. Smaller sample size than the ideal increases the chance of assuming as true a false premise. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Mule deer season is just a few weeks away. Jessica Domel has this
1: year's mule deer forecast in today's wildlife report.
7: We are just a few weeks away from the opening of the general mule deer hunting seasons in the Texas Panhandle and the Trans-Pecos. Sean Gray, mule deer and pronghorn program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with a look at this year's prospects.
9: I think in general it's going to be better than last year, so that's promising, but I think it's probably going to be below average in terms of our long-term trends. Numbers are slightly declining in both the Panhandle and Transpecos. Nothing drastic, but kind of a slow decline. And then antler development should be... A lot better than last year, but I think it's going to be below average in terms of long-term trend.
7: The multi-year drought has taken a toll on mule deer. The good news is Gray says the spring rains helped with antler development this year.
9: We had some decent spring moisture, and I think that helped with the antler development for sure, and then kind of carried over to a little bit of early summer. It seems like the fawn production is above average as well. It's kind of like hit and miss, especially with the rains, pretty spotty across mule deer range. So I guess we have good and bad for this upcoming year. But the best part of it is, it's gonna be better than last year.
7: If you're looking for a place to hunt mule deer,
9: areas that really produce big mule deer on a constant basis are the sand hills and the panhandle and the Permian Basin, those sand hills as well. But there's areas out here in the far west Texas that produce really, really big mule deer as well.
7: The general mule deer hunting season in the panhandle opens November 18th. The season in the Trans-Pecos and in Brewster, Pecos, and Terrell counties opens November 24th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to
1: check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. That's right. And there's a huge digital divide in our state. There are still large parts of rural Texas that have little to no access to high-speed internet. I'm State Representative Dwayne Burns.
1: And I'm State Representative Trent Ashby. We're here to ask you to vote for Proposition 1 and Proposition 8.
0: I wrote Prop 1 to protect your right to farm and ranch. It will prevent the abuse of regulatory power, protect the backbone of our rural economy, and ensure safe and affordable food for all Texans. And I wrote Proposition 8, which will create the Broadband Infrastructure Fund to address important upgrades for public safety and provide resources for broadband access in rural hospitals and schools. Let's head to the polls November
1: 7th and vote for Prop 1 and Prop 8. Political advertising paid for by Texas Farm Bureau and Texas Broadband Now PAC.
2: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: We saw a massive sell-off in the cattle futures complex on Monday, both live and feeder cattle seeing sharp losses across the board. It was all triggered by Friday's cattle on feed report. The placements number in that report coming in much higher than expected. Lots more cattle going into the feedlots than we were prepared to see. Placements number up 6% compared to last year, well above analysts' expectations. As a result, the futures market on Monday sold off sharply. We saw October live cattle drop 602 to close at 178.25, December down 627, 178.35, with February down 675 at 180.97. We saw the same thing in the feeder cattle market. October feeders dropped 420, 237.62. November feeder cattle down 672 at 235.80, while January dropped 735, 235.70. Cash fed cattle market, of course, quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle here in the southern plains, $1 to $2 higher, 183 to 185 was the price range. In the north, dress sales mostly two dollars higher, 289 to 295 was the range. Most of those cattle selling on the rail at 294. Boxed beef prices were mixed Monday. Choice down 42 cents, 304.96. Select up 384 at 282.54. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
10: We're with Madison Bexley from Lockhart Livestock. Maddie sells them every Thursday. Maddie, how was this last sale?
11: We had a good day. We ended up with 1,464 with 258 cows and 25 bulls. Two hundred and ten sellers and eighty three buyers.
10: Walk the beans with us.
11: On the stalker cows, we got along pretty good. The front of the pairs brought from fourteen fifty to twenty one hundred. The mediocre and middle aged pairs from nine to fourteen and a quarter. The good bred cows from twelve to fourteen hundred. The mediocre, middle aged, and short bred cows from six to eleven seventy five. Uh packer cows and bulls would have been mostly steady with a week ago. The good high yielding cows from ninety four to a dollar seven. The medium yielding cows from 75 to 93. The low yielding and lightweight cows from 40 to 74. The good high yielding Packer bulls from $1.12 to $1.24. The low, medium-yielding, and lightweight bulls from 80 a dollar ten. And on the Cat in New Orleans, uh, we had a really good day. Uh, the real good quality, lightweight calves weighing up to four fifty were a good bit higher than a week ago, and most all other cattle were about steady with a week ago. So all in all, it was a good active market. We had a good day.
10: Good. I hope you have another one next week. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you.
11: Yeah, you can always check us out on Facebook, or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793, or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091.
10: Neighbor looks to me like that's it for Walk in the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. My guest in the alleyway there at the barn was Madison Bexley. They sell at Lockhart every Thursday. They'll do it again this next week, and we'll do this program again tomorrow right here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're
1: listening to to us right this second, though, on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. lean hogs were mixed Monday. December hogs up 17 cents, 66.17. The February down 22 at 70.20, 100 weight. Class three milk lower. The nearby October down 2 cents, 16.86. November milk down 26 at 17.86, 100 weight. Cotton market saw a nice bounce. The nearby December leading the market higher. It was up 133 points, 83.73. March cotton up 93 at 85.46. The May contract up 80 at 86.48. Corn market still feeling harvest pressure and producers selling. We had a rally last week, last Thursday actually pushing the market back above five dollars. But once we broke that five dollar mark, the producer selling came into the market, and of course the harvest pressure continues and that pushed prices down Friday and on Monday. December corn dropped five and a quarter, closing at four ninety and a quarter. March down a nickel at five oh four a bushel. May down four and a half at five twelve a bushel. Both hard and soft wheat finishing slightly higher. December Kansas City wheat up three quarters at six seventy and three quarters. December Chicago wheat up one and a quarter, five eighty-seven and a quarter. In the energy markets, November Natural Gas was up a penny two ninety-one. December West Texas crude down two twenty-five at eighty-five eighty-three a barrel. The financial markets were mixed. Monday afternoon, the Dow down 152 points, 32,975. The NASDAQ up 66 at 13,049. The S&P unchanged at 4,223. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A.